Hey fellow superhero cinephiles, did you know that almost 30% of adults say they haven't read a book in the past year? The primary reason why is a lack of time. Well, Audible's here to help with the gift of found time. Thanks to Audible, you can listen to audiobooks like Marvel Comics, The Untold Story, or Slugfest, inside the epic 50-year battle between Marvel and DC. Read up on the history of superheroes in comics and movies with Grant Morrison's Super Gods. You can also check out Vanguard, my original superhero novel series, or try The Vril Agenda or The Adventures of Fortune McCall, both of which were written by our dearly departed host emeritus, Derek Ferguson. Whatever you're looking for, Audible has thousands of titles that you can consume while commuting, exercising, cooking, or just relaxing at home. And not only audiobooks, an Audible membership also gives you access to tons of content like podcasts, theatrical performances, and exclusive Audible originals that you won't find anywhere else. To give you a taste of what you can get, Audible has partnered with this show to provide listeners with a free 30-day trial. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash supercinemapod, and with your free trial, you get one free audiobook and two free Audible originals. In fact, you get to keep those titles even if you cancel before the trial is over. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to audibletrial.com slash supercinemapod and start your free trial today. Steve's when he came out of the ice. I told him about Trouble Man. He wrote it in that book. You hear it? What'd you think? I like 40s music, so... You didn't like it? I liked it. It is a masterpiece, James. Complete. Comprehensive. It captures the African-American experience. He's out of line, but he's right. It's great. Everybody loves Marvin Gaye. I like Marvin Gaye. Steve adored Marvin Gaye. You must have really looked up to Steve, huh? But I realized something when I met him. The danger with people like him, America's super soldiers, is that we put them on pedestals. Watch your steps, Zemo. They become symbols, icons. And then we start to forget about their flaws. From there, cities fly, innocent people die, movements are formed, wars are fought. You remember that, right? as a young soldier sent to Germany to stop a mad icon. Do we want to live in a world full of people like the Red Skull? That is why we're going to Madripoor. What's up with Madripoor? You guys talk about it like a skull island. It's an island nation in the Indonesian archipelago. It's a pirate sanctuary back in the 1800s. It's kept its lawless ways, but we cannot exactly walk in as ourselves. James. You will have to become someone you claim is gone. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine. And uh, when Derek was still with us, we had a tradition that we had done uh, two years in a row where every February we'd spotlight uh, Black superheroes. Um, and one of the things we ended up finding out <laughs> the second year we did this is that there actually aren't a whole lot of black superhero movies. So we started to, that's how we ended up with steel. Um, <laughs> and, oh, uh, but, uh, and since Derek's no longer with us, I wanted to do something to kind of continue the tradition. And I thought I'd bring on um, another one of my favorite black nerds who's been on the show before. And that's uh, Kellen Conley. Kel, how are you doing today? 
I'm great, Perry. It's good to be back, man. It's always always good to sit in the seat that Derek used to occupy. So I'm happy to be here and I'm ready to talk about um, a black superhero. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my idea was I was thinking like, because I, I had already scheduled a bunch of interviews and I had actually had two more episodes scheduled to record before I actually started talking to you. And I'm like, wait, I should really do something for 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 february i'm like i don't want right. people to think that i'm just like as soon as derek's gone i'm just not gonna do it anymore <laughs> um uh, then i thought about you know asking you to come on and i thought well you know you know falcon and winter soldier would probably be a pretty good thing to talk about yeah it's a very good thing to talk about and honestly i haven't talked about it on any podcast so um i'm very excited to to talk about it honestly today yeah we had uh derek and i had mentioned a few times because it just started airing um right before he passed i'm not even sure yeah. if he had actually managed to see the whole thing but i know he saw like at least like right. the first two episodes or so mm -hmm. they're very good episodes <laughs> very so. good episodes yeah um and uh so let's uh let's jump right into it what were yeah. some of your we're in this uh, this first episode we're going to talk about you know the first three episodes so that's mm -hmm. uh new world order the star spangled man and power broker and then the next episode we'll talk about the last three so um let's focusing just on these first episodes what were kind of like what were kind of things you were you were thinking about um when it aired when you first saw it well when when they first announced it um, I am all the way in on the MCU. Like they, they can mostly do no wrong. I still got to watch Eternals to give you a true opinion on that one. I got to rewatch it. But um, they've mostly never done wrong for me. So I was excited. I always liked the small moments that we got between Bucky and Falcon in the movies. So I, I thought that expanding upon that especially with the events of Endgame and everything mm -hmm. and with um, essentially uh, Cap passing the shield to Sam at the end of everything. Um, I was eager to see exactly how that would play out. I didn't, I know we're going to talk about it later, but I didn't see the, the full journey going the way I did, the way it did, honestly, mm -hmm. like, um, like the beginning and everything when, when Bucky is like, or not Bucky Falcon immediately, like, gives up the shield i was like yo what what are we doing here like and and i hadn't read any spoilers or anything i so i had no clue what was coming which i'm very glad that we went on that ride with him but for him to immediately give up the shield and feel not worthy it it felt like something sam would do um but at the same time sam was just as big of a part of everything of uh saving the world just like the rest of the avengers were and so for him to kind of feel inadequate at first and feel like he's not deserving the shield, um, I thought it was a very good take because we've never seen anything with Sam like on an emotional level. Like we got a lot of them in Winter Soldier, but mm -hmm. besides that, it's all been like getting beat up by Ant-Man and then he'd show up in the movies and and kind of spar back with uh, Bucky and stuff. But besides that, we just never really had that exposure to him on a deeper level. So I really think that it was a, a cool thing that we got to see um, Sam shine in that way. Um, especially like and go on that journey with them and starting with this episode um and then on the other side of it um with bucky i thought for sure they were going to be grooming bucky to be the next cap mm -hmm. so um to see him dealing with therapy and then finding out of course that um he had befriended someone that um the father of someone he actually killed when he was under the winter soldier program was just crazy to me and it was it was a hell of a start to the series i thought man like i was ready for more as soon as i finished it yeah, same thing. I was um I was also kind of taken aback by because I figured the my impression of the series going in because we knew that John Walker was going to be in there and he was going to be the the new cap based on previews mm -hmm. and everything. Um, 
what I thought was going to happen though, was that Sam was going to have the shield the whole time. And then like later on, he'd eventually, you know, put on the suit, but I figured like, at least in the beginning, you know, that shield that they give uh, John Walker, I thought that would have actually been like a replica shield or something. And Sam would have had like the real thing. So I was, I was really kind of surprised to see, like, like you said, like right at the front, right at the start, he's, he's given the shield away. Right. And he trusted the government, which is yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, let me just give this to you guys and you guys will put it in the museum. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, we will, Sam. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't you worry. Um, but you did mention something in there that, that really stood out to me and that's, and, and I didn't really put those two things together, but you're right. We never really got a whole lot of, of Sam on, on an emotional, personal level. Like mm-hmm. we get little, maybe a little bit of a hint of it in Winter Soldier when he's talking about his past and we see him, you know, counseling the veterans and stuff like that. But that was really about, about it. Like other than that, it's just, you know, he's, he's Cap's backup. He's Cap's partner. He's just here to yeah. kind of like, you know, ride shotgun. And yeah, and make funny jokes with uh, with Bucky and, and their whole rivalry thing going. Um, yes, but that was that was all that was it. And to see you know, because I've seen Mackie and other things, and he's a great actor. And it was really nice Absolutely. to see him really kind of like you know get to flex those muscles in this role. Yeah, because like you said, he's been in um, many many movies. As this his filmography is huge, and I, and he's always been a good actor to me. So seeing him come into the MCU was exciting because Winter Soldier was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like you said, he was just always in the background. So getting to see him, re- uh, especially like the scenes with um, his sister, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when like getting to see that he had a family and everything. And and there, I mean, even though he, <laughs> like it was the first episode, right? When they try to go to the bank and get a loan mm-hmm. and then, and <laughs> And they're just like, uh, yeah, we, we can't give you a loan. Like, and he's like, what are you talking about? I saved the world. They're like, thank you. But uh, that's not how credit works, um, especially because you disappeared for five years. So, yeah. Um, and also, like, uh, just a quick mention of it, even though it's a prevalent thing, especially in phase four, uh, the effects of the blip still being felt is, mm-hmm. is really something that's being well done because. They could have easily just left it at the end of Endgame, but like everybody's back, the end. But we've we've seen it affect uh, Far From Home. We've seen it affect WandaVision and just all these different scenarios are, are still playing out. And like even it's mentioned in Eternals, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's always a constant thing, the blip, the blip, the blip. So it's nothing that they're just, this. Ha- it's not like in the comic books where it's like this crazy thing happened, but guess what? They saved the world and it's over. Right. That's how comic books work. They're actually still long-term effects. Um, from the blip like dr strange and even the the sorcerer supreme because he was gone for five years mm-hmm. yeah so, so that that's something that's uh really cool but um so sebastian stan is bringing just as much um is bringing just as much to his role as bucky um as mackie is because with uh bucky of course we saw him be redeemed of course once he went to wakanda and uh, sure he helped him with the brainwashing and getting over the programming and then of course he blipped out too um, and then next thing you know that he's back, then Cap's like, all right, I'll go take these stones. And then all of a sudden Cap's back and he's old. And mm-hmm. like, he never, I mean, obviously he got to say goodbye where we assume that that Cap is still around some, at, at some point, old Cap. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't know if Chris Evans will ever come back to the role. He doesn't have to, he's done enough. I feel like, yeah, yeah. but um, he, he, just getting to see more of him trying to come to grips with what he's done, especially with his, um, him taking a cue from Cap's book 
with um and Winter Soldier, you saw like Cap had a little notebook of things that he needed to catch up on. Like one of the example is uh, Sam was like, "You need to listen to Marvin Gaye's Trouble mm-hmm. Man," and so Cap's like, "Let me write that down," <laughs> and he literally wrote down. And so Bucky has taken a page from Cap, and now he's actually has this list of people that he's done wrong in the same he- book, actually. Yeah, and they exactly exact literally the same book. <laughs> yeah, so he he's going and trying to redeem and, and try to find for forgiveness in his own way while still being Bucky and, and the former winter soldier. And it's not like he's not known. So it's very hard to make amends when you literally have blood in your um in your um register. Is that how ledger black widow? Ledger, ledger, yeah. Ledger, yes, as a widow would put it. So um it, the setup of this was just brilliantly done, I thought. Yeah, um, I thought that the the relationship between Sam and Bucky is 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 so good in this because you know we gotten to see them you know being kind of antagonistic towards each other and kind of like this mm-hmm. fun way in, in Civil War and then in Endgame you know we kind of got a little hint that maybe there's some kind of mutual respect for, for each other because there's that scene at the end when when Cap goes away and right. and and like it's just like this small thing but he just says he's like hey Sam you know and it's just like this not antagonistic or anything and he's got this knowing smile on his face the entire time and and so like because he and this what we what i had suspected and what this series you know in the in the second half latter half confirms is that cap had told bucky about his plan and had talked Mm -hmm. about passing on the shield to sam so bucky had known that which kind of explains like the way he was he kind of smiled and he kind of like you know nodded for for uh sam to go on and take the shield uh and and one of the nice things I like about what this series did is it doesn't erase that kind of newfound mutual respect they have for each other, but it also doesn't forget the kind of like animosity they had for each other either. No, like they, they are the best of frenemies. Yeah, exactly. exactly how they are. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, and we also get uh, some other, you know, one of the nice things here, nice surprises here is we get, um, you know, Rhodey popping up. Yes. Although one of the weird things is like he got nominated for like an Emmy or something for just that one cameo and nobody else in the show got anything. Oh man, they must they must have been grasping at straws or mm-hmm. something. They're like, hey, uh Don Cheeto hadn't been a nominator for some in a while. Let's <laughs> let's just throw the MCU a bone to get them to shut up about never getting nominated for anything. Even he was surprised. Like, I don't know why they nominated me for that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when he wasn't gonna win, you know? Yeah. <laughs> definitely a um almost a pity nomination mm-hmm. uh one thing you also mentioned there was um sam's sister in the in the bank mm-hmm. scene and one of the things i thought was really kind of funny about that scene is the whole thing of where we find out that the avengers don't get paid because that's a right that's a change from the comics because at least you know at least pre-bendis because um you know when bendis came along they'd already they'd already dissolved the old charter and everything but the original avengers charter like all active members and um and reserve members they get a they get a salary yeah like, they were know, on stark payroll yeah yeah they got a stark payroll they were able to live in the in the mansion if they wanted to and and yeah if you're a reserve member then you got a slightly lower salary but yeah everybody got some sort of salary so for him to just be like he's like yeah tony stark didn't give us anything i'm like come on tony what the fuck man <laughs> it, it feels like one of those things that he just never got to i'm mm. like like Honestly, let, let, let's think about it real quick because Civil War happened. He opened up the new facility and like they, things were kind of progressing pretty quick. So mm-hmm. and then, of course, he fell out with Cap and they weren't talking for 
uh, for a long time, honestly, until Endgame when he showed back up on planet. Yeah. Um, so it could have been something that was in the works. And then when the, the Sokovia Accords came out and everything, they're like, okay, we're going to all register. And then Cap's like, nah, I ain't registered nothing. So <laughs> I'm sure at one point, Tony's like, let's make this official, make sure everybody, everybody gets paid. And he just never got to it. And then the blip happened. And- yeah, I mean, come on, man. There was at least like a four-year gap between you know, the first Avengers movie and Civil War. You could have gotten Pe- something done. Pepper should have figured it out. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> but she probably was getting ready to work on it when she left them. So she wasn't around to yeah. do it either. <laughs> dang tony always leaving behind something mm-hmm. somebody else got clean up uh but another nice thing here is we get um we get batrock back uh, and i thought he was yeah. he was like the, he was this really cool little part in in um winter soldier and after that movie i'm like all right that's it we're never going to see batrock again and then he pops up here and i thought that was really cool yeah bat, bat, batrock is great um I always like he's he's definitely in caps rogues gallery from the comic books but he was just always again one of those people that pop up like oh look it's batrock month or month or two month you know mm-hmm. he was never never somebody that really felt like a real threat he was just somebody that cap fought every now and then um but he always had a, a cool back history so seeing seeing him come into the, the movies like we did um again we thought maybe he'd be around longer but he wasn't in the films but he he's utilized really well in this series mm-hmm. too, I think. So I, I was happy to see Batrock as well. Yeah, and uh, you also talked about the blip, and I think this, at least up up until now, I think no other show or movie has really dealt with the blip in as much of a focus as, as this series has so far. Yeah, I mean the whole plot kind of hinges on it a little mm-hmm. bit, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it, it it makes so much sense because you know in some of the other stuff it's just kind of this okay yeah we're, we got to mention this and get it out of the way like far from home kind of felt like that in a little bit it's yes. just like they got that little thing at the beginning and but then it's like okay let's move on then from the blip right and eternals too like you said it was just kind of like you know a little mention here and that was about it but and wandavision also a little bit of a mention but it wasn't really the focus at all mm-hmm. this really dials in and it's like the whole thing revolves around it. and i was not expecting this much emphasis on it which is oh, good no. too. It was one of the it was one of the nice little surprises about this show. Yeah, and and the way that they built it up and like I said, put it right in the plot, like the idea that there was five years where half the population on Earth was gone. So yeah, there was all this these places where people used to live that was available to people who didn't have anything, mm-hmm. and so. For world leaders, honestly, <laughs> to sit there and be like, oh, well, they're back and it was theirs before. So they get to take it back is just a little crazy. Like, I, I could honestly see this being a huge hot button topic if it was the real world. Oh, yeah. Um, because how, how do you tell these people who who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and, and took advantage of the this property that was available, especially for five years, and then tell them, oh, well, you got to move and you don't have anywhere to go now because... Uh, the blip happened and they're all back. So they want their property back. Like it, it's a very catch 22 situation. Mm. And it, it's very much playing up into those like kind of imperialist colonial themes that I think that the show is kind of dealing with on a, mm-hmm. on a, on a subtler level, because this idea of like, Hey, you know, when we need you, we're going to, we're going to take advantage of all this help you're giving us. And then as soon as we don't need you anymore, well, you're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I, I hate it. Like I, I, I felt, I actually was really on Nantak and aside when them this whole thing. Like I, I felt for their cause. Like, did they go a little far? Obviously, I mean they had to in order to catch to uh, be a big as big of a threat as they were throughout the show. But um, yeah, I mean at the same time, it's like there's kids that literally have nowhere to go now because mm. 
because the government says they got to go. So mm-hmm. it, it's really something that plucked, plucked the heartstrings. And that's not something that the show did very well throughout everything. Because, yeah, there was all the action and stuff. It's like, yeah, man, it's so cool. Like, oh, my God, Zemo's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there there was some real issues being dealt with on the other side of the um, dial. So they they covered their bases really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the Flag Smashers had very very legitimate complaints in here um and i didn't realize this because i thought maybe they created carly morgenthau for the for the show but it turns out it's just a the original flag smash smasher in the comics was carl morgenthau so they just Mm -hmm. they just uh gender swapped him yeah which is fine with me which i I I didn't hear anybody complaining (laughs) yeah yeah that was a neat little that was a nice little twist um yeah and it was kind of it was it because i think in the in the comics the flag smasher was like his identity and then ultimatum was like his organization or something like that right this they just kind of like combine those two things and just make the organization the flag smashers which i thought made a lot of sense and it really it really worked for for what they were doing and it 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 totally fit like the flag smashers are pretty much tailor-made for this situation so i thought it was a really good use of that right um because whenever you need that kind of organization who's going to cause havoc but you don't want it to be on a global destruction level, <laughs> mm. um, I, I, the Flag Smashers are kind of perfect for that kind of thing. So yeah, I agree. Uh, and then, um, well, let's talk about the new cap now. Uh, John yes. Walker comes in, Wyatt Russell, uh, following his, his dad's footsteps into the MCU. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm going to say this right now. Um, I loved most every moment that John Walker was Captain America mm-hmm. um because one like again I I I didn't have a clue like I I saw it like maybe right well obviously I saw that in episode one and I was like yo they're doing John Walker so I I was completely blindsided by that um but then I was a fan of U.S. Agent um from the comic books mm-hmm. um and also from fan fiction because uh, one of my friends uh Clayton Tooley he used yeah, to write yeah. that for Marvel Anthology back in the day and I fell in love with his version of John Walker and to say that they nailed who John Walker, Captain America was, is an understatement mm-hmm. because he's cocky. He, he, has, he, he has the work ethic. They didn't go the route of immediately powering him up. Um, eventually they did get there. But if there was anybody who was the right candidate to replace Cap, mm-hmm. they kind of picked the right person, except the only difference is Cap wasn't in, wasn't a complete jerk, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and John Walker definitely was. But at the same time, Walker had good intentions. It was just his ego would constantly get in the way. <laughs> so I absolutely liked about eighty five percent of the things he did mm-hmm. on the show, up until obviously when he, uh, he went a little nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought he did it. A- I mean, it, it shows you what a great job he did is we're watching, I'm watching the show and my wife is kind of like tuning in and out and, and she is like, I miss Chris Evans. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> like, I don't like this guy. He's an asshole. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of the point. That's he's the point. The asshole. <laughs> right. I, I mean, that shows you he's doing, he's doing his job. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I liked about, because with US agent in the comics, there's, um, there's a tendency to go too far with him being an asshole and just make him an oh, unlikable yeah an unlikable prick it all depends on the writer yeah yeah and i think this this series did a really good job of going taking you right up to that line but not crossing over it Mm -hmm. um 
And and I like because he was honestly just trying to be do the best he could, man. Yeah, like yeah. He, he really wanted to fill those shoes. And I like that they didn't go the, the jingoistic route, which is sometimes what they do in the comic books. They mm-hmm. completely o- avoided that. And, and and also I was kind of I was really surprised that, you know, Battlestar got so much play in this series. Oh, I know. I mean, he he was a vital part of the of the storyline, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I was real happy to see him. Uh, um, I, I enjoyed his rapport with um with uh with John. Um, mm-hmm. I thought you could really tell that they were best friends and it was a nice um it was nice to see their rapport in comparison to Cap and Bucky's rapport, especially like pre Winter Soldier and after Winter Soldier. Like it really shows that when when you're in these military situations and even in a fictional world, you mm-hmm. go to war and you're only surrounded by literally the other people I go to war with. And there are literally lifelong lifelong bonds that you make with these other people. And you all hope to come home mm-hmm. and not everybody does, but when you do it, it, a lot of times it's just like picking up with your best friend, no matter what. And because literally they were there with you when you both of your line, both of your bacon was in the fire essentially. Mm. <laughs> so uh, I really did like to see how they um, came together um, and how they, they dealt with it, one another. And, and it was cool to kind of see, especially once they, um, they got battle starring and him going and stuff there, their synergy on the battlefield was kind of mm. crazy. Like they were nice with it. Yeah. And again, it just showed why, even though the government should never give Cap's shield away, why the government almost made the right choice to replace Cap. And unless I'm mistaken, in the comics, um, Battlestar was kind of portrayed as uh, kind of dim-witted, wasn't he? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I liked that they didn't go that. And then they made him kind of like the brains of the operation here. Right. He was a more rational one because John was more reactionary. Yeah. So he, he was the one who was kind of like, all right, well, let's play it like this. And then John would listen to him at first. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> then then uh, they would go from there. So um, I, I enjoyed that as well. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, he was he was a really good addition. I was not expecting to get as much of him in the series. Uh, and one of the things that surprised me, too, is we have they they created a wife for for walker in this but she doesn't really have any purpose in the series other than just being there yeah um i thought that was interesting but i I don't i think that might have been i think it was more like they felt like it was needed to try to add to and to make him more likable it's like Mm -hmm. oh well he has a wife and everything there's stakes for him involved versus just making him this uh suddenly single uh, Captain America, who he literally was everywhere. Like he, he was on Good Morning America. <laughs> he was uh, like billboards everywhere. Like it, it was literally like it, it was everything that uh these that celebrities in America um are today, where they're constantly everywhere. It was like cap, 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 and it was like all anybody was talking about. So I think they did that in an effort to humanize them and kind of put more emphasis on the man behind the new cap. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily feel like it was needed, um, though. So I, I kind of yeah. see what they were going for, though. I mean, I think because this this series, I think probably more than any other, it really suffered because of the pandemic. Because they had, they had to yeah. shut down production in the middle of it, and right because this was originally supposed to come out before Black Widow, I believe, or Black Widow yeah. was supposed to come out before this. I think is I think it was. was I think it was Black Widow was supposed to be March of 2020, mm-hmm. and then I think this was supposed to follow because WandaVision kind of came out on time i believe i think it was still it was supposed to be like late 2020 late 2020 into early 2021 was was Mm -hmm. the projected time for wandavision so i think that was mostly still on time despite the pandemic 
Um, but I believe you're correct. A widow was supposed to come out first, and then we were supposed to jump right to Cap. So I'm um, or Falcon Winter Soldier. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm I'm guessing that they switched. They may have changed up the Stinger credits on Black mm-hmm. Widow uh, base because obviously they introduced. Um, Oh, drawing a blank. Uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus's character. Yeah, yeah. Um, in this series first. Yeah, um, and we'll talk about her more in the Contessa. in the next episode because yeah, I got a lot to say about her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and also like the the episodes had kind of changed. The storyline even changed because originally they were supposed to the the flag smashers were really supposed to try and release a bioweapon. That was like their, mm. their thought. And then because of the pandemic, they're just kind of like, you know, maybe we shouldn't use a biological weapon here. <laughs> maybe that's a little insensitive. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So they changed okay. a lot of stuff around. And I think, and um, that may have been some stuff with the, um, with John's wife getting kind of like, you know, pushed to the wayside as a result of this. Yeah. She might, she might've had a more meaty role Mm -hmm. before they had to change things. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, But I think the, the big star of at least these first three episodes though, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, basically really the third episode is really where, cause he, he's just appears at the end in the second episode is, you know, Baron Zemo coming back. Ah, yes. And I was so looking forward (laughs) to see, cause you know, we talked about this when we talked about way back when we talked about Civil War is that up until Thanos, uh, Zemo was my separate favorite villain in the MCU. Um, I thought he was like the, you know, more or actually I should say up until Killmonger. But like up until that yeah. point, he was just like like second only to Loki because he had like such good motivation. It was the first time in the MCU when the villain actually one because he'd gotten everything he wanted yeah basically. He, he really did yeah um zemo i didn't think we were gonna see zemo in this series so when when they went on barnes and wilson decide we're gonna go see zemo i was like yo wait a minute they're gonna they're gonna go see him that that's crazy but out of out of all the uh major villains in mcu le- leading up to um essentially leading up to civil war um most of them were um, you know, it was like Loki, obviously, was a brother of Thor. Iron Man was Iron Monger, and then it became Av- or Avalanche. Am I using no Whiplash? No, whiplash. <laughs> whiplash. And then um, in Cap's movies, it was um, Red Skull. And then Civil War was, a, or not, uh, Winter Soldier essentially Shield against Cap <laughs> was, was really what it was. Um, so it was all things that had been triggered by obviously the superheroes and the superheroes also triggered Zemo. But as we learned in the beginning of the movie, it was due to the collateral damage from Ultron. Ultron's another mm. one there. There you go. That, of course, Tony and, and, um, Bruce. and Bruce, Bruce made, uh, made Ultron. So it was always a cause and effect thing. Now there was cause and effect in civil war, but again, it, w- it was cause of collateral damage. Uh, Sokovia happened. His family died. And literally, he, as we find out in this series, he, he's way more, there's way more to him than what we saw in Civil mm-hmm. War. But he literally found his way to get the, get the Winter Soldier codes, break into Winter Soldier's um, containment unit, turn him back into the Winter Soldier. And he just kept sitting all these, he was always just one step ahead of the heroes until T'Challa caught up with them at the end of Civil War. So... I really liked him as well. And, and he literally fractured 
Tony and Cap, which mm-hmm. who 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 would have thought that even thinkable until Tony realized that Cap knew that Bucky had killed his parents. Um, so and I still won't forget that reveal. So I also just love Zemo and I love the way they use him in this entire series. Yeah. And, and they they take him to the next level. Like I did not expect because I figured, oh, he's he's just gonna be Zemo here. There, there's no gonna not gonna be any Baron Zemo, but then they walk out and they walk into the garage. He's like, Oh, this is my this is my I was a I'm a baron. And I'm like, yeah, they made the way, him Baron Zemo. <laughs> I love that. Yes, they gave him his royal lineage. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and they brought back. They brought. They gave him the sock mask too, the purple yeah. mask. I love. He got that. the mask on, and and he was holding his own, man. Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't no, no kind of situation where, like it was ever Zemo's in trouble. No, no Zemo, Zemo could have went toe to toe with Cap if he had to, man. Mm-hmm. I, I would have. I would like. Um, maybe we still will here in the future. Um, I would like to see them actually square up and, and see a, a fight in MCU between the two of them because it'll be really good, I think. Also, they did a really good job of incorporating not only the, the mask, but other elements of his costume. Like even like with the coat he's wearing, it's got the, the fur collar with the, yes. with the little the little um, polka dots, just like in the comics he wears. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. And, he, and he's so funny because he didn't get mm-hmm. to be funny in Civil War. Um, he was always so serious, like, oh, uh, you ruined my life. And now he's like, yeah, you ruined my life, but I can also be fun. <laughs> and he, he's a welcome comic relief throughout all of it. And he never looks, I mean, he has his moments where he looks out for other people, but he never stops putting Baron Zemo as priority number one, mm-hmm. even when we think he's not. And, and I just love it. I'm here for it. Yeah, I loved how, and like you said, he's he provides this comic relief, but it never does it at the expense of making him like a like a goofy character or slapstick no. character. Like it, it's not like a Justin Hammer situation. No, he's um, cool, funny. Like Tony yeah, exactly, be. yeah, yeah. And like it just like, and he says things that he's making sense. And even you know, I love my my favorite line. I think from this is when, you know, taking it back to what you mentioned about about Trouble Man when, you know. Um, when Bucky takes out the little book and Sam's like, Hey, yeah, Steve had that book. I told him about Marvin Gaye and he wrote it down in there. He's like, do you like Marvin Gaye? He's like, eh, it was, it's not really my thing. And, <laughs> and he's like, well, you've got to listen to it. And then Zemo, he's like, it's like, he's like trouble man. It perfectly captures the African-American experience. And Sam just like, he's like, well, look, he shouldn't be saying that shit, but he's right. <laughs> he's right. He's right. Like he, he's, that's, he's not allowed to say that, but he's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That, oh man. I love that scene. Just, and, it's just the little things and just like the dancing right <laughs> <laughs> yes dancing in the club man yeah. like they literally marvel literally put on their youtube channel i, I think it's still up of mm-hmm. just it's like a what they did like an hour-long cut of him just mm-hmm. doing a little bop in the club <laughs> yes oh man you see <laughs> I want to be Baron Zemo when I grow up, I think. I think I finally figured it out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Another thing they brought in in that third episode, which is probably like the first biggest X-Men connection we've gotten in the MCU, is they go to Madripoor. Mm -hmm. And and as soon as they said Madripoor, I'm like, yes, yes, it's happening. It's happening. I know that they're good. They're going to draw X-Men as long as they can. And I don't know if you've seen the Doctor Strange trailer, but. Oh, yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think we're close to entering that world. Um, Obviously, it's the multiverse world, but still Mm -hmm. we're very close to it. But uh, yeah, hearing anything X-Men in the MCU is just so cool because. Again, it's just something we've been chomping at the bit for. So mm-hmm. even to get like a city that we know is well known throughout the mutant universe. Yeah, and uh, and this this second watch around, I noticed the they had the princess bar there in the background. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't yeah. notice that before. Yeah, I, I think I missed that the first time too. So um, that that's definitely in there. And again, the MCU was just so good at planting the seeds mm-hmm. so that when they're ready for the seeds to grow and pop up, it's like, oh yeah, and like that. That's just another thing that they've always stayed good at. So I I'm glad that they are continuing that tradition. One of the things I think that they they're doing is, um, and this this has been. Um, you know, uh, and I've talked, I talked to some people who, who know people who who worked on some of this stuff and it's, they don't have things all planned out. Like a lot of people think they, but they kind of, they're, they're kind of winging it in a way, but they kind of do that thing that Claremont used to do when he was writing the X-Men where he'll, he'll drop these little nuggets in. And then when he doesn't know what to do for a story, he goes back and he's like, Oh, that's right. I planted this year. So now I can write right. a story about that. Right. And that's, and that's just smart. That's smart it, writing. It's, and it's, and it, it, it works in such a, it works in a way where it makes you think that everything's been planned out and really it's not. Um, but it, it's led to some really nice little kind of surprises like um, uh, in, um, in, in Iron Man two, for example, when they had the little kid and then it's like later on, they're like, Oh, that was, that was Peter Parker. Right. Um, or Shang-Chi's father, right? And the Mandarin and all that kind of stuff. Mm, and where they yeah. planted that in at the end of um, in the All Hill the King and then that there's a real Mandarin out there. And then everyone's like, okay, we're never going to see him. And then boom, here, here comes Tony Lung and he's Shang-Chi's father. And he's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he's awesome, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and that's okay that it's not all planned out. But mm-hmm. like you said, it, it, as long as they know they have those to fall back on sometimes and they can build on them, it's, it's always a nice little um emergency exit in case they have mm-hmm. to use it for something yeah and i think that's and it, it as a writer and i think you'll probably relate to this too it, but it it makes me feel a little bit better about myself because there's lots of times when you know you're writing stuff and you're just kind of like yeah i know i should be planning this stuff out but you know mm-hmm. i'm just gonna write it and see where it goes and yeah then, and then you kind of feel like you get that little imposter syndrome going on and then <laughs> and then because then you read interviews with you know quote unquote real writers and they're like oh yeah i had it all planned out and i took and then and then you really ask them they're like no no man i didn't (laughs) i mean derek was the same way because derek when he got in the mode Mm -hmm. derek would just write and write and write and write and so there would be things that i would mention to him or that somebody else would mention to him about something he wrote he like i put that in there (laughs) and he'd always be like he's like yeah i did put that in there um that's exactly what i wanted to do and then obviously he didn't but I mean, then he was probably just made a little note. He's like, I put this in the last train <laughs> to Kushra so I can, you know, um, so so it, it is something that writers naturally do. And the good ones are able to pick back up on it and reuse it <laughs> later versus uh, people who just leave plots hanging all over the place like Howard Mackey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who thought we were going to get a Howard Mackey reference on this episode? <laughs> I was not we had that on their that, bingo yeah. card. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also we get um, at the very end of the the last episode we're going to talk about here. You know we get the the, the Dora Milaje pop up. Like I was not expecting anything from Wakanda to pop up in here. I'm glad they went there, man, because because obviously Wakanda is responsible for Bucky getting better. Um, I he's their White Wolf. I really feel like there is a lot of um, and we saw a little bit of it here. I think there's a lot of respect and love and admiration between uh, the people of Wakanda and T'Challa um, mm. and, um, and Bucky, uh, especially because they, they literally saved his life. So I'm glad that, um, <laughs> I'm glad that we, with that they made that connection. And then also that Shuri was smart enough <laughs> to put, <laughs> to make his arm, 
<laughs> to be able to shut down his arm. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, we're always, I don't know what she said. I can't remember, but uh, it was pretty much along the lines of we are, we prepare for everything. Mm-hmm. So especially when you're a, a assassin turned back to normal air quotes. So, Oh, so that's actually the, the next part. So before let's, let's table that discussion. And uh, yeah. the last thing we got to talk about, which we haven't talked about yet is Isaiah Bradley and bringing yeah. in the stuff from the truth. From, um, from, yeah. I, I wasn't, I was I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I wasn't ready. Um, I'm, I'm just going to jump in here real quick. Um, the, I read the truth years ago and I was floored that Marvel would even have, I mean, cause that was 2001 when all that came out. Yeah. Um, so I was floored that Marvel even had, and, and I mean, it was 2001 and Marvel's always been kind of progressive, but Marvel literally said, Oh, oh, by the way, um, they took all these, um, black, black guys and experimented on them and tried to, um, you know, give them super soldier for, formula and, and make them superheroes. And then this guy came the closest, but um, we just never utilized them. And then we tortured them for years. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just blew my mind. And then, and then for them to bring that into the MCU and have Sam discover that there was a black Captain America, mm. um, w- which he had no idea, obviously. Um, I, I think that this is obviously where the seeds are sown for his regrets about giving up the shield because obviously as we are going to talk about later one of the things he says is america will never accept a black a black man as captain mm-hmm. america um so to find out that america went to that well but then america also was america and didn't actually pull the trigger on utilizing isaiah bradley properly and then throwing and then essentially just be being horrible to him for 30 mm-hmm. years um it, it it may it really i think I cried twice in a series and th- and this was it. And then when, when later on, when Sam takes over mm-hmm. and his first time he's on screen, it was kind of like, it, it felt like a moment. It, it felt like a, a black Panther moment where it was like, mm-hmm. yo, this is, this is super dope. Um, but yeah, just hearing Isaiah Bradley go over everything that they did to him and then his reluctance to talk to Sam and him telling, essentially telling Sam that um, they're like, they'll never respect you. And, and they'll never love you, and you'll not ne- you'll never be able to fill his shoes. And mm-hmm. and even even as a hero, he was he was saying like it's not worth it. They they don't care about you, and they never will. It it, it really hit home. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not a superhero, but it's something that um something that I deal with every day. You know, just just being black. In case you're not watching the video, <laughs> um, he did say black nerd earlier. Yeah, but you know, you know these are these are things we think about. Um, that aren't normally touched upon um, or worried about by by uh, white people, uh, mm-hmm. so to speak. So I really liked that they were willing to go that in depth and and mine the truth because like you don't Marvel really hadn't talked a lot about it because if you remember like when Casada and and Bill Jemis was in charge and they put out like all these controversial series like of course like you remember that that Marvel series where it was like Aunt May is a young Oh girl. yeah, yeah, so, Trouble. Yeah, Trouble. And then and then this came out. So they were like putting out this edgy content. And then when there was any kind of pushback on it, they're like, oh yeah, we're just trying it out. Uh, we, we, you know, don't, and then they kind of distance themselves. Mm-hmm. So for, for them to go back um, and, and make that into the MCU and literally put into the MCU, I, I really mm-hmm. thought was a very cool thing to do. Yeah, and I think, I think it shows the strength of 
the truth miniseries compared to some of those other things um because Mm -hmm. like you know trouble that was just you know weird mark millar was drunk or something and he was just like like, why don't we do this drunk yeah yeah (laughs) if he's it he's always like if he's not literally drunk he's at least like you know mentally drunk or something i just found out the other day perry that he took over Ultimate X-Men when or he started Ultimate X-Men and he, he didn't know nothing about the X-Men. That, that like, makes total sense. And I was just like, no wonder it was so weird. Because yeah, it's yeah. like Bendis had had some spider background and he just kind of introduced the elements in his own way and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the first couple, that first X-Men run was just so crazy. And I was like, why would they do that? But at the same time, they were just all about trying to sell books. So I do remember like, I had gone back. I remember, because I remember back when it was coming out, like I loved it, you know, being Mm -hmm. a being a teenager at the time and then rereading it later and you're just like (laughs) it seemed like some bad fan fiction yeah yeah and it was just like i remember one review i i had read way back in the day after the the the, i think it was after the the sixth issue and the the reviewer has said like i'm tired of this adolescent exercise in dick waving (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like if there's ever been a quote that perfectly sums up Miller's work. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the killer thing, though, and we'll get back to Cat, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier in a minute, but I do want to get this out. Is like the killer thing, though, is that he can be a good writer when he tries. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, Red Sun was amazing. Oh, and, Red Sun was great. Yeah. And um, yeah, um, Red, Red Sun was, is a great one. And then Kick Ass, I really liked the first Kick Ass. I thought I thought that was really cool. I hated Wanted, personally, but yeah, when he wanted. shines, he re- well, it was so stupid at the end. <laughs> like you're an idiot for reading this book. Like, mm. uh, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Enjoy Moore. the castle that we help fund. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so when he's on, he's on. But when he's just throwing things at a wall, like even he wrote uh, Wolverine: Animated State, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and Wolverine Agent of Shield. Like even that stuff. Well, also like, like Old Man Logan, right? Like there's there's a like half Man of that Logan. is half of that is amazing. And then you've got redneck hulks fucking each other. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say incestuous. Yeah. Redneck hulks. Don't leave that part out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark Millar has a drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here, here, folks. There you go. <laughs> Send any hate mail to Kellen Conley. <laughs> yeah, b hyphen b h y p h e n at gmail.com. There you go. Uh, but but yeah, and I think that one of the things that going back to what I was saying about the truth is that you know when it was announced, along with the midst of all this other stuff like trouble and all this other stuff, is like you look at it and you think, ah, uh, they're just they're just trying to be controversial. But then you read the truth. You sit down and you read it, and it's an amazing book. Like mm-hmm. it is. It, it's so good it's so well done and um and i think that's I why to revisit it, it yeah yeah and i think that's why it stood the test of time they recently released a, a collection of it because it had been oh did they it had been yeah the collection had been out of print for a while and i think it was like maybe last year they had a black history month sale where i got where they had all the individual issues for free oh nice um but now they've released a, a new trade i saw the other day on comics okay so, i'm gonna have to check that out yeah because literally i haven't i have not read it since it came out i don't think but I, it impacted me then yeah um and i'm sure it'll have a same impact on me now but it's something too that they've gone back and they've revisited since right mm-hmm. and like um 
you know, one of my favorite instances when, when Christopher Priest was doing the crew and he introduced uh, yeah. Isaiah's son, Josiah X. Right. And basically, you know, Malcolm X in the, in the Marvel Universe, <laughs> who becomes Captain America, or he should, should have become Captain America. So, yeah, should have been Captain America, yeah. Um, um, and that was a character that I wish we had gotten to see again, because he hasn't popped up since that series. Um, but then we also got, you know, Eli Bradley and the Young Avengers, mm-hmm. uh, Patriot. So, yeah. you know, they've had, they've kept, they've kept that legacy alive in the comics, at least, which, you know, and I think that's a testament to how powerful that original series was. And to bring in Carl Lumley to play Isaiah in this was just oh, man. brilliant Perfect casting. Because, <laughs> you know, Carl Lumley, for a lot of people, is the first Black superhero in, in media. Because, yeah, you had, you know, I know you had um, Robert Townsend before him and, you know, the guy who played Avar. But the people, one that most people, I think, remember is Carl Lumley as the Mantis. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I love the Mantis as a kid, man. That, that show was incredible. <laughs> that show was incredible. Um, so to, to see him come full circle and get to play this role, like who, who would have thought when he was doing a Fox TV show mm-hmm. that years later he would get to be the Black Captain America, the first yeah. Black Captain America in the MCU. So um, that, that was a very cool um, nod that they decided to go that route in the casting. Yeah. And they had that element of tragedy because if you remember in the truth, like his mind had been kind of degraded from all the experiments yeah. they had done on him. Mm-hmm. And in this one, and I think they kind of combined elements of Josiah's story with Isaiah and to make the, he's almost like a composite character in that way. Cause he's very much, he's very much with it. Uh, but they added that element of tragedy because in the comic books, you know, his wife is still alive and she's taking care of him. Yeah. Um, but here they have the aspect, his wife is dead and she died while he was in prison. They never let him read any of the letters she sent and all that. And that yeah, adds, did him a, so dirty. A, it adds a whole different element of tragedy to his story because you, at least in the, in the comics, you know, he's not really fully aware of what had happened to him. This guy mm-hmm. knows everything that happened to him. Yeah. And, and that just makes his, his story even more tragic mm-hmm. um, because <laughs> I know that we have a way of blocking things out, but li- literally he says that he remembers everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't imagine having to wake up every day and the kind of nightmares or even the, the daymares that he might have to experience just from the traumas he's seen. Yeah. So it, it really did bring a lot of weight to his character and a real sharp jolt of uh, reality to Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that Sam was, wasn't uh, grounded enough, but I, I kind of feel like it was just some, uh, a side that if, if they were going to go the route that they're going to make Sam cap, they, they did need to really, bring the black experience to the table and not just be like here sam here you go and sam be like Mm -hmm. thanks i'm gonna be the best cap ever and then end credits like he has to he has to weigh both sides of the coin um and i I think that's important uh just to his character and a a testament to um to um uh, my my brain sucks (laughs) a testament to anthony mackie's acting ability yes yeah and um and also tying into that too, like when they leave Isaiah's house and the cops try and stop them, like oh, that was just like, I'm just like, oh, and, yeah. and the, the heel turn as soon as they realize who he is. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's just, it, it yeah. kills you. And it's just like, it's like, you know what? Yeah. You're, you're all apologies now because you know, he's a superhero who can kick your ass, but right. You know, it's just like up until that point. And I imagine it's probably the same thing with, you know, 
black guys who are athletes or celebrities or something yeah. like that like they get pulled over and it's like it's like hey hey that's that that's the guy like oh oh shit i'm so sorry mr you know so and so and right it's the exact same thing i imagine yeah mostly what i would think it would happen more with athletes because with celebrities, I feel like a, a cop like, oh, I'm about to take down Snoop Dogg. I'm, like, I'm mm. definitely going to make this arrest. <laughs> Not that anybody should be arresting Snoop's old ass. But, um, I mean, yeah, it, it literally happens all the time where um, someone's racially profiled and the police go after a black guy. And then they're like, oh, oh and then they start running stuff. And they're like, oh, we didn't realize you were um, the sixth man off the next bench. Mm. Um, sorry about that. And then we'll just send you on the way. And it's like, uh, yeah, but you, you kind of... Uh, made me get on the ground and everything you cuffed mm-hmm. me before you took my id and ran it and so um it, it was very again grounded in reality mm-hmm. um and it, again that was another way to drive home the point to sam that even if you're captain america you think he's somebody's like gonna pull him over and be like oh crap you're captain america just mm-hmm. <laughs> awful well and it's also an echo of what happens at the bank right when the, the mm-hmm. guy's like you're you're falcon and he's like oh, high five and he's like you know can i can i get a selfie with you and then he's just like <laughs> and he's like really you want to get you want to get a selfie with me after you just denied me alone <laughs> alone i just yeah. like yeah oh man it's a cruel cruel place <laughs> yeah and it's it, it it and those little moments are are I like the, the series doesn't make them the focus, but it kind of does in another mm-hmm. way. Right. It, it all kind of builds up to the, these larger themes they're talking about. I thought it did a really good job with those things. Yeah. Um, because again, in order for them to really sell Sam as cap, you have to look at all sides of it mm-hmm. and you can't just, you can't just give Sam the shield because the fanboy like, oh, well, we don't want Sam to be the be cap, and we didn't like it when he was a cap in the comic books. Blah blah blah. We don't like that. Um, it, it, to kind of have Sam truly go on a, a journey and really, really work to earn to be cap, because we're gonna talk about it here on the next episode. But the shield scenes later, where he's just training, mm. phenomenal. And it, again, grounded in reality that you can't just pick up Cap's shield and sling it and it comes back to you. No, you've got to train with that mf or man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially not he easy doesn't to have do. any super soldier serum in him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, think, and um, yeah, just like the, the first three episodes, I think are just, you know, solid all the way through. I think right. in the latter half that the series stumbles a little bit and that's when you really feel the, the pandemic effects and the rewrites <laughs> coming in. Yes. But the first three episodes, totally solid and just like um the stuff with isaiah the stuff with zemo all of it just works together perfect and the action like you know it's basically you know looking at the trailers everyone was doing was saying like oh it's you know you know falcon and 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 bucky they're the they're the Riggs and Murtaugh of the, of the Marvel <laughs> universe. It's like leave the weapon MCU. Yeah yeah and I'm like and I'm fine with that. <laughs> I have no problem with that. I love right. that. <laughs> yeah um yeah, the first the first three episodes do so much world building in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And we really haven't haven't even touched on Bucky that much because it's been so Sam focused so far. Mm-hmm. But 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 Bucky goes on his own journey as well. And both characters come out better than they were at the beginning of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's something that was super important going into this as well, because people and even friends of mine are skeptical about the MCU Disney Plus shows because they're like, Oh, I want to watch the I don't want to watch 10 episodes of of Winter Soldier and Falcon. I don't want to do that. I just want to watch a, a two and a half hour movie. Like that, that's cool. But at the same time, you have to realize that you're, you're getting just as much story from the TV series mm-hmm. 
as you are from a movie and it's broken up. So yeah, it sucks waiting week to week when you're watching it live. Um, but it, it's still the same MCU tried and true storytelling method. And it's allowing them to really dive deeper into those characters, you know, like mm-hmm. we were talking about, you know, we didn't really see that much. It, it's, it's funny when you look back at it in retrospect, because when you were saying that I, I, that hadn't clicked with me because I'm just like, oh yeah, that's right. We didn't really get a whole lot of of, of Sam in the in the movies, yeah. and we kind of take it for granted after we see this show. It's like, oh yeah, and you know, because we had, we also got the impressions of him from the comics too. So we right. kind of build this character in our mind, and we kind of think that he's had more screen time than he actually has had. And I think the same th- same is true with Wanda and, and Vision. Like we got, oh yeah, I mean, because. You know. We thought we knew everything about Wanda and Vision mm-hmm. before before Wanda Vision. Like I was like, oh yeah, you know, she she's Quicksilver's brother, and he died in Age of Ultron, and then she lost her accent, and she fell in love with Vision, and they ran away, and and there, there was just so much more to explore. And they and mm-hmm. we're not talking about Wanda Vision clearly, but they did a wonderful job um, exploring both of those characters. Yeah, uh, as, uh, again, especially at the end with the pandemic, where it's like, especially it was early pandemic, so they're literally like all right, we're only going to put two of you together. Mm-hmm. Um, try to make magic. <laughs> um, so I am appreciative of, uh, of the TV series personally. Same and here. yeah, it's, it's, it's more, more watching, I guess, but you would just go sit there and watch uh, Winter Soldier again anyway. Mm-hmm. So why not watch? Falcon I mean, it, does, it does drive me crazy when I see people on Twitter saying like, oh, there's too much superhero stuff. And I'm like, like, like motherfucker do you know what it was like for us when we were kids i mean we would have we would have you know pushed our grandma down a flight of stairs to get this much content back God, do you remember the 2000s parody? Yeah. like <laughs> there was so like everybody's like, oh let's do a serial movie here's ghost rider like, <laughs> okay like oh here's the watchman which I, I i haven't watched in years but i did like the watchman the first when i first saw it you go um, way back to one of our early episodes we talked about that and i tore into that movie <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's easy to do yeah crazy to do but there there was way more misses than there were hits there was oh yeah yeah 2003 hawk which well, some I mean, people love some people hate it go back earlier right you know remember like the mid 90s when we yes. had nick fury and generation x <laughs> or almost had uh roger corman fantastic four yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> we've come a long way or um you know we had van on talking about uh infinity war in the last episode and he was talking about how he's like you know you know back before the mcu you know we had like you know this really bad thor and hulk movie tv movie right right yeah yeah man And it's just like and when i see yeah when i see people complaining about there's too much i'm like just like motherfucker just shut up (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so those are the two big takeaways mark millard's drunk and you know just shut up (laughs) shut up enjoy the mcu and shut up yeah yeah Yeah. all right um but i think i think that wraps up the the first three episodes um yeah yeah we talked about madripoor sharon carter showed up we're going to talk Karen about Carter, her. We'll talk about more. her more in the next episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, there's a lot to go in with her. Uh, mm-hmm. And some interesting turns they took with her character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Kel, you want to tell people where they can find you? Yeah. You can um, follow me on Twitter at B hyphen, B H Y P H E N. Um, all of anything I'm working on, always post on there. Um, I have a link tree link in there and it has like my YouTube channel videos I'm working on or any podcasts I'm doing. I have two podcasts. I have a wrestling one called Rasselcast Power Hour and then my own podcast, Hyphen Nation. Um, that comes out when I find time during the week. But there's like 
hundreds of episodes for you to listen to. So you can go check that out or you can just go to hyphenuniverse.com and all the links are conveniently placed on the front page. Okay, great. And uh, <laughs> as for for my stuff, I've got, um, you're listening to this now, I've got a, a science fiction serial. So if you're a Kindle Vela reader, um, I got that out now. It's called Corsairs. Uh, you can find out that, all other information about my writing at percivalconstantine.com. And for this show, superherocinephiles.com, Super Cinema Pod on Twitter and Instagram, Superhero Cinephiles on Facebook. You know, like us, review us um, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your shows. And yep, yep. and do five stars, even, five even stars, if you hate yeah. the show. Even give if them you hate five the show, stars. Do it anyway. <laughs> and on Spotify, you can do the five stars too if you haven't abandoned it because of Joe Rogan. So that's your choice. <laughs> yeah. <right>. He's trash. <laughs> yeah, he is, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw that out there. I still use another, Spotify, but he's trash. Another hot take. <laughs> yes. All right. Mark, Miller, Mark Miller's drunk and, and Joe Rogan is trash. <laughs> fully endorsed by the show show. yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right that does it for us and come back to the next episode where we're going to be talking about the latter half of falcon and winter soldier thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time you have been listening to the superhero cinephiles podcast follow us on twitter and instagram at super cinema pod join our facebook group by searching for superhero cinephiles where you can interact with us and other superhero fans if you'd like to support the show you can become a regular supporter at patreon or make a one-time donation through PayPal, both of which can be found at our website, SuperheroCinephiles.com. If you buy or rent any movies through the Amazon links at our site, it helps support the show. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always, good night, good evening, God bless.